Welcome to the Growth League podcast, where we interview business owners who have experienced quantum leap growth in their business. In each episode, we're going to dive deep into our guests' firsthand experience about what it was like 90 days before and 90 days after that point when their business started experiencing massive growth. All right. Episode number three of the Growth League podcast, and we are here with my buddy, um, Mr. Matt Diddlegen, and he is the CEO of Glacier Communications. Uh, I'm going to quickly just uh, do a quick intro on, on Matt, and then I'm going to have him explain uh, where, does, where does Glacier fit in the world, what does it intend to do, who does it serve. Um, yeah, we've had an opportunity to know each other for a long time, Matt. It's, uh, it's great being in your circle. It's great learning from you. Um, uh, I consider you to be a, a mentor, um, for sure, and a, and a strong, strong business leader in, in this city. So, Without further ado, my friend, let's let's get into it. Matt attended the University of Calgary from 2007 to 2013 for a grand total of six years. Did Matt obtain a master's degree, a PhD? Negative. Matt did a couple victory laps prior to graduating with a Bachelor of Commerce uh, degree, along with enough courses to major in at least three three other faculties. Matt fondly calls this time his academic adventure. Before, before you introduce us to Glacier, tell us about uh, your time at UFC there. I know that uh, this is kind of where the idea of the of the agency was formed, was it not? Yeah, yeah, it's funny. I, like I said, I I haven't looked at the About Us section on our website for some time, so I, I wasn't even sure what bio is up there anymore, but that's <laughs> pretty accurate description, I guess you could say, of my academic adventure, which I fondly remember. And that is where the, the that was the genesis of Glacier, where Pat and I, the other co-founder, who you also know very well. Um, That's where we came up with the idea to secure ad space on walls in high schools and then basically sell it to universities and colleges across the country. So that's that's where the whole genesis for the idea started. We did we started that in the last year of our university, actually, in our sixth our sixth year, because five just wasn't enough. That's right. It's like Van Wilder, the modern day Van Wilder. Yeah, I, there was a point in my undergrad career where I was actually driving in a golf cart on campus, and I was like, "Oh boy, I need to graduate. This is this is too much of a Van Wilder move." That's awesome. <laughs> Do you guys start it? Is, is I probably have the 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 facts not straight here, but uh, was it a classic sort of garage uh, startup type thing? Um, what did it look like in those those final couple of years when you were uh, putting this into into market? Yeah, I, I think we would have killed for a garage at that time. Truthfully, we started. I was uh, I was living in the basement in in Bearspaw, you know, in acreage outside the city, with an eighty year old roommate named Adolf, actually, uh, which is another whole long story. And then Pat was uh, Pat was uh, living in his parents' basement, so we kind of joined basement forces together and started out of the basement. Uh, of of our roommates at the time, I guess you could say, and that's how we started. Our first our first office actually was oh, and then we would just rent rooms at the uh, at the University of Calgary and, and like the workrooms and the library and stuff. And that's where right. we would just meet up and just and just work all day or in between classes or wherever else. And that was that was really the first office. Um, and then and then through one of our friends who was the cancer research center, he actually gave us an office at the Foothills Hospital. And so, like, right in the cancer research wing. So it was, like, all these, like, scientists 
then no the way. director of cancer research all Canada, and it was Matt and Pat in this little office. Yeah, it was so funny. People thought we were the IT guys. They would just come in and just that is unbelievable. ask us for stuff to like help them set up Outlook, and we were just like, yeah, sure, I guess. Because <laughs> no one really knew what we were doing. It was really funny. I did not know that. That's hilarious. Who was uh, typically origin stories? Um, origin stories with with entrepreneurial ventures or startups like this get kicked off with with a particular project or a particular client. Was there was there kind of um, somebody something like that that came along to get things started, or did you start the company and then just go out hunting and gathering from there? No, it was definitely it was definitely a first project that really rings a bell. I think it was. We at first we started advertising on the university campus, and we secured this tabletop ad space in our you know student cafeteria. And from there, we realized that it was really competitive space. The higher education space, the out of home advertising industry in higher ed, was really saturated. We needed to do something else, or else we just wouldn't be able to grow. And so that's when we came up with the idea with with high school advertising. Um, in, in one of our library workroom sessions, that's where we came up with the idea with high school advertising. And, uh, from there we went out and pitched a whole bunch of high school principals. And then we went and pitched, uh, Bow Valley college. And we were, we always just, you know, would be cold calling in between classes or whatever. And we'd be sitting in classes, emailing clients. And, and, uh, I think the first time where it was like, wow, we've actually got something here was when Bow Valley college paid us. Uh, you know, at the time was a lot of money to, you know, a couple of students, it was like $10,000 to put some ads up in some high schools in the city. And that's when I think Pat and I both looked at each other and were like, wow, okay, we got, we got something here. This is unique. No one's doing it. And we've got a pretty big runway here. So that, that was, I think the first time where it kind of clicked for us. Yeah. Did any of this come from, uh, you know, pre-existing experiences that you guys had in terms of, you know, when you were in high school, getting ready for university, um, was there any sort of impactful advertising or anything that swayed your, your vote to go to UFC or was that, uh, was this realized later on, uh, in your university career? Yeah. You know, I wish there was some kind of cool story like that, but there, unfortunately there isn't. It was, right. it was, it was, it was, as, it was as simple as, you know, we wanted to start a company and, and we, we had this like criteria, I guess you could say, or, or we, we almost made like a weighted average decision matrix and, and have these uh, different factors that we would score all these different ideas that we had. And we, we ran about 20 or 25 different ideas through this, you know, decision matrix. And then the idea for Glacier was the one that came out as the highest score. Wow. Uh, that was, that was literally it. It wasn't, it wasn't like there was like, Oh yeah, when I was in high school, I wish that there was ads, you know, giving me this kind of information that, that, that unfortunately, that was not the, the origin story. It was, it was really just, you know, Pat and I just wanting to start a company together. And then we kind of developed the selection criteria to pick what was going to be uh, the best company for us to start at the time. Cool. So it started with in, in school ads, like physical posters and stuff. Can you tell, talk to me about the service suite uh, now that Glacier offers for, for these universities and colleges? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, the in school ads is still our, our bread and butter product. That's, that's, you know, there's, there's not many people in North America that offer that product. In fact, we're one of maybe two. And so that's a super unique offering. Um, uh, that's, that's obviously been affected a lot with COVID. That's been a, a real interesting challenge that we've had the opportunity to deal with here lately. Um, but uh, a few years ago, we diversified as well. We started offering student influencers as a product. And that's been going really, really well. We've uh, been doing some really cool campaigns lately, actually. 
Uh, one of the areas where we're actually growing into now is more government-focused campaigns. Like we're doing some work now for the uh, the government of Pennsylvania for uh, COVID awareness type thing, uh, getting encouraging people uh, to wear masks through the use of influencers that have a lot of sway with youth. And we also just did a big campaign for the University of Missouri, actually uh, encouraging their students to wear masks. And that one actually blew up. We, I got interviewed by the New York Times two weeks ago, actually, for that one. Um, so that's been fascinating. And we've also, we've had a pretty crazy run with that. Like we, we've done some work for the NHL. Um, I got to fly down to their all-star weekend and that's meet awesome. their marketing team. Like that was super fun. Um, so yeah, we started doing influencers about two and a half years ago. And then, and we also started doing digital advertising as well, just because, uh, you know, our whole mantra and purpose has been formed and inspire the next generation. And with such a heavy amount of their time being on digital platforms now, we just felt we we basically had to get good at that and get really good at that if we're going to fulfill our mandate of informing and inspiring the next generation and truly being the leaders in high school and student advertising. So right. that's our that's our policy now is is the in school ads, the influencers, and then also our digital suite of services. Got you. So if that vision of inspiring mm-hmm. the next generation kind of tethers you to a direction, the things you can offer within that seem a little bit. Uh, boundless, right? And, and obviously, you've evidenced that with kind of an ongoing iterative evolution of what you've what you've been able to offer within that vision, which is cool. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the growth the growth league podcast is all about uh, dissecting. Um, you know, what was it like, sort of the six to nine months uh, before, or the sixty to ninety days before, and the sixty to ninety days after that tipping point, right? Um, mm-hmm. Can you can you bring us back? Is there something that pops to your mind as as serving as that moment when it went from, you know, Pat Pat and Matt in the proverbial garage to no, this is this is scale time. Um, and then what defined scale for you? Was it was it um, a number of new clients? Was it full time employees? Was it a top line uh, revenue number? Um, bring us back mm-hmm. to that point if you can remember. Sure. Yeah, I was I was thinking about this question and it's. It's a challenging one because I feel like there, there there wasn't any one point when I could look back and be like, oh, that was the point where we, you know, had this massive growth. Because, I mean, we've grown by at least 30% year over year for the last six plus years. So, I mean, it's hard to really pinpoint, but I think there's been a few points throughout our history where I could really go back and, and think that the, the growth was almost tangible. You could almost feel the growth. If you walk into our office, it's like, oh, wow, these guys are on a growth spurt. Right. Um, and, and the numbers would back that up. And I think I think one of the, the key moments was was probably in the early days uh, when we were in that Foothills Hospital office, like I was telling you about, which was absolutely hilarious. Um, and at that time, I was also part of another startup. I was, I was trying to do two starts at once. It was a real estate technology company. And and. It was around that time where where I just decided to commit to Glacier full time and and really just you know go all in on that and it was just me and Pat and, and I think we had a few other employees at the time huddled in this little office in the in the hospital um, and and I think that was a really key tipping point in the early days was just that committing and just saying okay I'm in, I'm in, I'm in this and then you know it was just like the Pat and I we've always had this unbelievable camaraderie where it's always been you know one plus one equals four. And so I think just having both of us full time in the same space together every single day just led to tremendous growth. So I think that was that was that was probably one of them. And it's just it's just kind of like a band almost, you know, like like a like a guitarist and a drummer just jamming. It's just like you you have to be in the same room to jam. And so 
I, I think I think that was one of the key points. And then I think a, a couple of years later, we also had another massive growth spurt. And I think the one of the keys there was actually joining the EO Accelerator program, which uh, you know you know as well. And I think that was another key thing, just being in a group of other like-minded entrepreneurs that are you know on this growth spurt. And also getting access to the, the EO network and just the phenomenal mentors and, and everything involved in that, I think was absolutely huge. Just, yeah. you know, because you're, you're trying to grow this company and you're trying to learn how to be a CEO all at the same time. And, and it's just like drinking from a water hose. So to be surrounded with a group of people that kind of be, became my tribe, I mean, that was, that was absolutely huge too, I think. Do you recall a moment where... Um you started taking very specific and intentional steps from a, from a lead acquisition or a sales acquisition standpoint. Um, you know, the, the first client kind of emerged itself to you. And then when was it that, um, like, did you have a formal sales team or, uh, or some mm-hmm. form of marketing process that was all about let's go out and hunt? Yeah. Yeah. So we, we, uh, I'd say around that time, once we had the you know first few clients starting to roll in, we got the universities and everything like that. That's when we really realized, like, okay, we gotta we gotta hit the sales hard. And so Pat and I just went full time on sales, and we started hiring a couple other salespeople. And uh, I had, you know, in my one job that I've had before starting this company, I, I was in a sales role, and so I learned how to do prospecting and, and sales outbound. And so it was literally just me, Pat. Um, I think a couple other salespeople and we just had, you know, smartphones and we would just hammer the phones day in, day out and just emails and phones, maybe a cursory little CRM lightweight tool, which I think we had a free subscription for. And, and that's all we would do is just make cold calls day in, day out. And just, it was relentless. You know, it was, it was a grind. It was like two, three years maybe of just pure cold calling every single day. And uh, that's how we, and then, and then after that, we just got more momentum and built from there. Do you think the idea of cold calling and hustling? Well, I don't think that will ever go away, right? No matter how many tools or tactics or, or platforms we have, like talk about the power of just dialing for dollars. Cause I know you guys can, can grind that out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, I think in the last couple of years, I've also learned, I mean, we, now we have pretty robust marketing as well. And, and we, we did a whole digital transformation there integrating HubSpot and we have a marketing manager and they work seamlessly together with, with, uh, our, our outbound team. And so now I've kind of seen how, you know, that that's one of those situations where the sum is greater than, than the whole of its parts because, uh, you know, marketing and sales, they, they just really, they really rise the tides and all the ships rise too. So it's really, really powerful. But in the early days, you know, we, we had no idea what we were doing and we had no resources, no money to throw marketing. And so what was cheap was just cold calling because that's all we could really afford and all we really knew. And so we just picked up the phones and did it. Um, and I think, I think it does, I mean, as long as human beings are making decisions, which I think will be it for at least a long time to come, um, as long as human beings are making decisions, I think cold calling and, and sales will always work. I mean, it's not, it's not the most efficient, which we've come to learn. You know, it's much more efficient when somebody already has some brand awareness of you and, and uh, they're much more amenable to picking up the phone or engaging with your content you know, or, you know, getting into your funnel. Um, but it, it, it definitely can work. And for, uh, for us who are, you know, two young, stupid, poor college students, like it, it was, it was the cheapest and fastest way for us to grow sales. That's awesome. 
I love hearing stories like that. What about, um, what role did, uh, cause you're an EO guy. Um, I know there's a big mm-hmm. part of EO that talks about systems and processes. Uh, when did, when did that start coming into the fold, uh, with Glacier? Do you remember how that supported the growth? Yeah, absolutely. That was, that was around the time when I joined the accelerator program and I started learning about all these, uh, different entrepreneurial skills, like how to implement an operating system into your company. I'd never even heard of that before. And, and, you know, the different meeting rhythms and the gazelles framework scaling up and, and, um, traction and all this kind of stuff and uh, learning about all that stuff. It just made so much sense, you know, being the Pat and I were both very much entrepreneurial visionaries. And so what we tend to do is just completely leave systems and processes to waste. And it's an absolute nightmare or, and it can be so frustrating, I think for a lot of employees. So, um, learning that stuff and, and buying into it and implementing it. And, and at first, you know, Pat and I, we, we came to blows about it a lot. Um, and I was just like, dude, trust me. Like, I, I think we need to do this. Like we just have so much chaos. Um, and then implementing those systems and processes, you know, it took, it took a long time, it took years to get it right. Um, and we're still tweaking it to this day, but, but that kind of stuff and that framework, I think, is essential for for scaling and 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 just for sustainability in general and sanity. I think for everybody's sanity, both the entrepreneurs and the employees, absolutely. Totally. So, what would you be doing? Let's let's uh, you know close our eyes here for a second and pretend that it is the spring and it's like your fifth or sixth year in university. You're on campus. If I was mm-hmm. to go teleport back there, what am I, what am I looking at when I, when I see Matt? Are you, uh, you, are you rallying the student union? Are you, give me a glimpse of who Matt is during that last year. The last year. Yeah. Okay. So Pat and I, yeah, we were, we were finishing our last year of business school. So I think each of us were taking, you know, four classes or something like that. Like not, a, not a lot of classes and just wrapping up the year. Um, we were still kind of involved in the student government. We were, the year before we were much more involved, we were on the executive team or whatever. And then, and then we were um, on the university of Calgary Senate, which was a pretty cool body to be a part of. So we were still senators. We were still somewhat involved. Um, But I, yeah, Pat and I, we would go to, you know, a workroom. We would just book a workroom for a couple hours and we would just go there. And uh, I think we actually had one employee at the time. We hired our first uh, employee. He was an MBA student. And uh, I think Pat was just really impressed pressed with his MBA title. So it's like, wow, we're hiring an MBA. Uh, it was a horrible fit, horrible, horrible fit. Um, and, but the three of us would go to a workroom and just, you know, make, make calls day in and day out. And we did that for yeah about a year, just making straight cold calls. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm back in that workroom and I'm, and I'm, I'm you. So there's two mats yeah. and, and, and okay. you have 10 minutes alone with Matt what are you telling him in that room that, you know, hey, I got a couple tips from the future through some, through some trial and error. Uh, what are you telling mm-hmm. that in terms of uh, lessons to, to, to be uh, cognizant of? Uh, that would maybe, maybe, it, maybe it either accelerates the growth of, of Glacier mm-hmm. or, um, you know, helps you maybe avoid some of the some of the, some of the pitfalls that you actually experienced perhaps, um, going forward, what, sure. are you, what are you telling old Matt? I'd probably, I'd probably tell him not to bootstrap and to go raise money. And instead of, <laughs> instead of making these calls to clients, go make them to investors and then you can hire a team and you'll be able to grow way faster. I think that's probably what I would tell young Matt. Like you're, you're going to expend the same amount of energy, if not more 
and get rejected the same amount of times, you might as well, like you've, you've proven the model, you, you've got it, go raise some money and, and get yourself a team so that you don't have to, you know, bootstrap and, and, uh, yeah. and live in basement suites for the next three years. <laughs> That's a great insight. Um, you talked about, you know, you and, you and uh, your partner at the time, Pat, different topics, maybe you bumped heads on a little bit. What, uh, what thoughts do you have when you're, when you're approaching growth or you're trying to scale, um, what, what tips and sort of advice do you have for nurturing and, and working with, uh, with a partnership relationship, whether it's, uh, you know, if you have an integrator, mm. um, visionary relationship or talk to me about working with a partner when it's time to grow. Sure. Yeah, no, I feel like I have some good experience here being that I've done it wrong so many times. Uh, I think, I think with a partner, because, uh, you know, as you know, I bought Pat out of the company uh, two and a half or almost three years now. And luckily, I mean, our friendship was definitely strained through that. But now, you know, we're back to being best friends again. And it's all fantastic. It's butterflies and rainbows. and It's amazing again. Um, but if, if I could go back and, and the thing that I think I learned from, from you know, uh, the bio and the partnership and everything up to that point was, just the importance of communication and, and really, you know, just being fully transparent about everything all the time. It's seriously like a marriage. You just have to, you have to be fully transparent and, and just over communicate. And if you're feeling at all poorly or bad about something, you have to communicate it immediately because if, if you just let that thing fester and don't bring it up right away, it's just going to, it's just going to blow up down the road. And so you know, I think a lot of people, they say like, oh, I'll just, I'll just, you know, it's not a big thing. Just sweep it under the rug, sweep it under the rug yeah. until that thing is just this just massive problem. Wherein if you would have addressed it head on, it would have been a little thing and a small conversation you can move on. And in fact, your relationship grows stronger. But if you just hold off and, and you know, let it fester into this big thing, it, it'll eventually explode. Yeah. Well, you must have, you must have learned that lesson early on because I think, um, you know, one of the things I admire about you is your ability to just have the conversation, right? And whether that's through a tough, tough business decision or, uh, you know, some partnership things that you referred to in the, in the past. Um, I think as long as you're honest and genuine and, and you're right straight up front, um, you kind of put yourself in a, in a better position. So that's cool. You learned that mm-hmm. lesson early on. Um, mm-hmm. so my next question here is, you know, if, if business growth, if scale was uh, a delicious entree, a del- delicious meal, what are some of the key ingredients? Um, you already mentioned systems and processes. You already mentioned, you know, potentially going in, getting some, some, some investment support, but what else are some key ingredients that any business needs uh, at the foundation to, to be able to approach mm-hmm. and, and succeed through scale? Sure. I would say, I'd say one of the, I mean, I think the most important one, I'm sure almost every entrepreneur person would say this is, is really good people. You know, Pat and I, we, we were just fully committed and we, we just, just absolutely went for it. And then we also had some really great people on our team in those early days, whether it be, um, we had a business development person join and help us grow into the U S or we had uh, a COO join us that, that managed the operations, which actually he's, he's with me today. Uh, now again, uh, as a turn of fate would have it. And so we, we had these really great people that would join the team. And I mean, systems and processes are great, but I personally believe that great people build great systems and processes. And I'm not, neither Pat or I were ever, were, were ever particularly great, I don't think, at, at systems and processes. So 
um, hiring great people that could build those great systems, I think was, was more our mantra and what we went for. So I think that was a, that was a big one. And then, uh, the other one I think is, is just, you know, because we were young and had no idea what we were doing, it was having really good mentors and just people around us that, you know, we could call and be like, holy shit, you know, we, we just had a, a coup happen on our team. We had five people walking that actually did happen. And it's like, and, and we had a hundred percent turnover in a month and it was like, you know, like, what do we do? And like, you can call these mentors and they can help walk you through it and, um, you know, help you help walk you off the ledge. So I think, I think, uh, you know, the amount of conversations I've had where I've called my mentors in a, in a panic sweat <laughs> and they walk me off the ledge. It's just so crucial. So I think, I think that's also a big one. That's awesome. Do, do you have, uh, that mentorship base, did that start with EO or did you have some right coming out of, uh, university there. Cause I couldn't agree more. I mean, that's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes we think for some weird reason, that's a sign of weakness to reach out and get help. But I think that that's, that's crazy, right? Surround yourself with people that have mm-hmm. been there. Um, yeah. Tell mm-hmm. me about, tell me about that. Yeah. Luckily I, I've always been blessed with having great mentors, even in university, um, through the student union, Pat and I, we had met some amazing mentors um, one of the, one of the mentors that's continued to be a mentor of mine to this day, I just talked to him yesterday, actually, he was, uh, the general manager of the student union. So he ran the whole student union and he's a, you know, he's just kind of doing that as his retirement job. He's a seasoned business dude that's been around the block and like just ran some really big teams. It's, you know, 300 people. And so he was just a seasoned guy and just an amazing, I would call him level five leader you know, as Jim Collins would call him. Mm-hmm. And so he's, he's one of my first calls with everything. It's just like, Hey man, this is happening. And it's, it's just so beneficial because I've known him now for almost 10 years and he just knows me super well. And so I can call him and just tell him the situation. He can, he can get to the, the, the meat of the issue just, you know, like that. And so that's been super helpful, but yeah, you know, him from university and then linking up with other entrepreneurs as I went through the, through the entrepreneurs organization also, but yeah, I think, I think just throughout my tenure, whenever I, I met someone that I really admired or, or I really looked up to, um, I would, I'd have no problem going up to them and just saying like, you know, after having a few interactions and seeing that there's like a cool vibe or a fit yeah. and just flat out asking them, Hey, you know, would you mind mentoring me? Can we meet up once a month for a coffee? Um, I did that with a couple of people and, and they've always, you know, it's been amazing. And I'm still friends with them to this day. That's the other That's cool awesome. thing. That's awesome. Yeah. So you talked about Glacier since the original, I know that wasn't a point um, that you can reflect back to on that tipping point, but you've been in growth mode almost every year since you started, right? And and you guys have Mm -hmm. experienced massive growth. So on that, you know, what's the next mountain? Like what's the next thing that Glacier is looking to sort of plant their flag on or what's, what's everyone rallying Mm -hmm. around right now in terms of next level growth? Yeah, Absolutely we're going to have two big sources of growth for Glacier in the next, in the next few years. One is going to be the American market. So we've, we've dabbled into the U S and we we've tested it and we've, we've actually, uh, our U S sales are now surpassing Canadian sales, which is really cool to see, uh, cause we just started doing that about three years ago. Um, and so I think, I think the U S is just going to continue to be a massive source of growth for the company. Uh, and I mean, we have about 150 clients or so, most of which are universities and college and there's over 4,000 in the U S so wow. it's just a huge market. So I think the U S is going to continue to be a big source of growth. And then, uh, the other vertical where we see a lot of growth potential too is, uh, with government and government groups, because we've just realized that 
they have messages that they want to get in front of young people. They just do not know how to do it. Yeah. And that's becoming more and more evident through, through COVID actually is just seeing the disconnect between the government officials trying to speak to Gen Z and it's almost cringy. It's like, Oh my God, don't use those. Like stop trying to sound cool. Like you're, no, you don't sound you're cool. Right. You're right. Uh, yeah. And, and it's just, it's just cringy. And then, and then we also, we did some research where we saw what they're spending their money on in terms of media and it's just such a disconnect. It's like, why are you spending money on platforms that kids are not even on? It's right. just mind blowing. And and so we see a huge opportunity for that. We've already been helping a few of our government clients quite a bit. And I think I think that's gonna be another big opportunity for growth for us. Gotcha. So if you're if you're listening to this mm-hmm. podcast, you're in you represent a university or college or someone in government trying to connect with young people. Let's go, figure Please. it out. I'll give you his email yeah. address. Let's get this going. <laughs> that that's awesome, man. Um so I want to take a bit of a pivot here and, and uh, I want you to tell us, bring us back to, and this is also something that I really admire about you is that you just had some weird random sort of year sabbatical or almost like six months sabbatical. Right? I can't remember how long it was over the last I think about the 12 last months, yeah. 12 months. Why did yeah. you do that? What did you do? And bring us into the, uh, into the fun uh, pop your collar side of, of Matt. I, I followed along a little bit, watch you guys's, photos and videos and updates. And that was, uh, why did you do it? It was incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, why did I do it? Yeah. I reflected on that quite a bit. I think honestly, I just needed a break. Like I had been, I think at that point it was like seven years of just grinding and growing the company. And, and then the last year and a half in particular was pretty troubling and, and I think emotionally exhausting just because it was like, you know, going through the buyout with Pat, which was really emotionally exhausting. Because he, you know, he's like a brother, and like we had a divorce essentially. And right. no matter how amicable those could be, it's always emotionally exhausting, which I've learned. Um, if you care about the person, if you don't, I'm sure it's a lot easier. Yeah. But you know, there's a lot of care and love there, so that was emotionally exhausting. And then uh, I saw an opportunity where someone on the team they wanted to step up and take the reins over from the company, and and I wanted to, you know, just take a break and and do something else for a little while. And so took the opportunity and, and yeah, it was about, it was about 11 months, I think where I left the company and spent the first few months, honestly, just like reading and writing. And I got back into writing. So I, uh, I wrote a ton of poetry. I wrote short, short stories. I started writing a novel, um, read a ton of books that I just would never otherwise have time to read about not business. Uh, the courses on philosophy, psychology, uh, got back into history, um, and then did a, a ton of travel. So we went to uh, Europe and uh, went to Berlin for a while, which was just so cool. And got to experience the, the Berlin music scene and everything like that. Um, then my my fiance and I we bought a, a an old Volkswagen. Yeah, congratulations, Euro man! Congratulations. Oh, that this is recent. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Within the last few months, absolutely. That's yeah. Awesome. So sorry, carry on. That's uh, great. That's, yeah, so that was that was super exciting. And we just went and lived in a van like a couple of hippies for a few months, and just drove all around the U.S. and Canada, and just like lived on lived in a van all, along the ocean. So that was really cool. Um, and then went to Asia for a while, and then and then uh, it didn't work out unfortunately with with the, the person running the company. So I, I came back and jumped back into the driver's seat of Glacier, and that was about almost almost a year now so i've been back at the company for about a year wow did the, did the break help yeah. like what did you feel like a new man you're a quite renaissance guy <laughs> i think it gave me a lot more perspective on things and it helped me 
recharge my batteries a lot. Uh, you, you know, if, if I had not have done something like that and then COVID would have happened, I think I would have been in a lot different place mentally. Right. But because I had, you know, taken that time and, and had some space to reflect. And, and I think the other thing I realized too is like, I, I just simply need to work. Like I cannot, I, one of the, one of the, one of the blog posts I wrote was, uh, um, retirement is ridiculous or, or to some title to that extent. I did some research on the history of retirement and where it came from. And I realized that it's actually quite a modern concept. And, and I realized I was like, man, I'll, I'll probably work till I'm dead because, uh, you know, I love what I do. And so therefore I'll probably just always continue to do it and I need to be working. So that was, I think that was another big epiphany when I was, you know, taking this time off. Cause by the end it was like, okay, traveling's fun. Living in a van is pretty fun, but I need like more meaning in my life. I need to be building something. Right. So yeah, I think it gave me a ton of perspective. Do you still have the van? Is the van kind of always ready to go or <laughs> is she gone? Uh, define always ready. <laughs> I don't know if anyone, any of your listeners Five, have both. Always, re- always ready. <laughs> let's, let's define it as you're always a thousand dollars away from having, <laughs> having, having her purr on the, uh, on the open road. <laughs> In that case, yes, I'd say it's always ready to go. Hey, man, always you're ready, ready to, to go. go. That, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> so businesses that achieve uh, great growth and scale, in, in your case, sort of year after year, uh, typically they have very good and great and solid uh, leaders at the helm. Uh, but great leaders in everyone that I've met, uh, they have very specific and very uh, um, unique to them morning routines. Um, I want to know, do you have... A routine, whether it's morning, afternoon, mm-hmm. night, or whatever, and uh, can you tell us about it? And and how does that sort of prime you for for going out and leading the charge for growth? Yeah, absolutely. My morning routine now, uh, before COVID, it was a little different because I, I did my workout in the morning, but now I do it at lunch just because my gym closed and COVID was a nightmare and whatever. Um, but my morning routine is always I I wake up at six or six thirty. I have a coffee and then I immediately write in my gratitude journal. So I write down three things I'm grateful for, what my intention is for that day, three things I'm proud of that I did the day before, and then a few I am statements. Um, mm. And then from there, I, I usually read for about half an hour, 45 minutes. And it's just a, a book that I, you know, either it's, it's something that inspires me or, or teaches me something about the world um, or it's, you know, more of a, a business book or like a how to entrepreneurship kind of book. Awesome. Then you, do you, yeah. do you always head into, into, the and then office? I meditate as well. I forgot to say that I meditate as well every day in the morning. Do you have like yeah. a specific, do you need to hit, you know, X number of minutes of meditation or, or can you do it for a couple of minutes? I don't, that's one of the big, uh, you know, barriers to entry for people out there is that they think if they can't do 20 minutes, they're not going to do it at all. But tell me about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, that was actually another thing I, I really got into on my year off was meditation. And it was such a game changer. I, I, um, I started meditating. I just used the Calm app and I would meditate for, you know, 10 minutes at a time type thing. And then as I kept going, I would just do, I would just get longer and longer. And then I started learning more and more about it. And I started reading about it. And now one of my favorite meditations to do, it's called a, a jhana meditation where uh, it's really just like a focus or a concentration meditation. And, and what ends up happening is it's just like, it's like an onion by the, the farther you go into meditation, the layers just fall off, right. you know, whether it's like uh, stress or anxiety or worry or, 
or anything to the point where there's, there's literally nothing. And you're just in the zone of just bliss. Hmm. And I can usually get there. Uh, one of the things I do is I just count my breaths and just try to be really, really present with my breath up to about a hundred and, uh, just counting to a hundred by the time I get into like 70, it's just like bliss and you just feel so good. And so I, I find that that's a, a really good meditation for me. I do use headspace now too. I find headspace is really good, but if I don't have my phone or whatever else, I'll just sit down and count to a hundred. So you're pretty practiced at it now. It's part of your, part of your day to day. Are you guys, are you guys yeah. in the office right now? Are you, are you, do you go back in or, um, well, I guess you're in the office right now. Yeah. Yeah, we do. We do Monday, Wednesday, Friday in the office and then Tuesday, Thursday work from home. Okay. We found that that's pretty good, pretty good, um, pretty good setup right now. I think people are really happy with that. And I think even, you know, after the COVID world, we'll probably continue with that for some time. Was this something that, you, cause I'm to be, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm sort of struggling with this. Um, was that a, was that a mandated thing? Was it uh did you send out a survey? Did, you know, how did that, how yeah. did that get landed on? Yeah, it, it was actually back in the summer and, you know, there was a, a few months there where, you know, the, the numbers were down and we're like, shoot, we might not be, we got, we got to drive some sales here. So uh, one of the things that we did, which we used to do uh, back in the old days, was we called them power hour. And for an hour a day, we would just all meet up and just hammer cold calls. And you would get points for making connections or like booking a meeting, or whatever else. We broke up into two teams. Um, and so we brought that back and we said, okay, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we're doing power hour. Um, we're going to start in July. And around that time, you know, the, the case numbers and everything, like it was pretty safe in Calgary and most businesses were open back up and whatever. So it was safe. And we, we, we would never put our team yeah. in harm's way in any regard. And if, if anyone had, a, you know, was like, no, I don't feel safe. Um, you know, we, we wouldn't force anyone to come in. Um, but we had everyone come in and we would do these power hours for an hour a day and just drive new business. And, uh, it was actually so fun. Like it was, it was back to the days when we would, because at the end of the week we would do a tally and whoever had the, the lowest points, uh, they would have to do a punishment as assigned by the other team. And, you know, there was some really funny punishments. Like we had to go hold signs out on the street, like cardboard signs that say, I'm no good at sales. And uh, like the whole team had to do that. Like just funny stuff like that. You guys, um, that, that reminds so me, you, really guys have a, it. you guys have a great culture there. And that's part of it. Um, part of the reason is that people want to be back there, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or want to be in that space together. Um, I know you guys, mm -hmm. uh, very recently, uh, maybe a year or two ago, uh, one of the finalists for culture of the year, um, you guys are, scary how good you are as a team at ping pong which is very weird like is, <laughs> it, is this a continued do you guys still you guys have a leaderboard and a matchup board and and i i've joined a couple on friday and uh not, <laughs> not my league um i need to i need to be on the kids table but uh, you guys still doing that you know ever since we got our shuffleboard table it has Ooh. entirely entirely cannibalized the usage of the ping pong table so we, we, we really only play shuffleboard now. We don't really play ping pong. Old, I think it's man. because getting old. No, I think, I think it's a, I think it's a necessary evolution because it's far more democratic than ping pong. Yeah. You know, for someone to join the team and start playing ping pong against someone who's been playing ping pong for four years, it's just not fun. No. And so now, but, but shuffleboard, it's like, you know, the, the, the gap between the best and the worst is a lot smaller. And so it's just, it's just more fun. So we play a lot more shuffleboard. But awesome. we still have the, the business cards with the, the ping pong on it. I don't know if we ever showed you those. Do you have one there? Let me see if I have one. I'm sure I do somewhere. Um, let me see. Oh, shoot. I don't know if I have one. But, yeah, we, we have 
they look like hockey cards and that's awesome and that's our business card but instead of playing hockey they're playing oh yeah i've seen this you, know, you, have, the, you have the head you have the headband on yours right yes yeah, definitely yes so. yeah so for those listening who uh matt where where do we follow where do we follow glacier how do we keep up to date with what you're doing and um yeah yeah absolutely i think you can follow uh you can follow our instagram um, I think it's We Are Glacier is yeah. the, the handle. Um, you can also sign up for our newsletter. Just go to our website, weareglacier.org. Sign up for our newsletter there. Uh, if you want to follow me on Instagram, then feel free to do that. I don't really post a lot on Instagram, unfortunately. Um, but uh, yeah, definitely Instagram for, for We Are Glacier. And then our, our website, you can sign up for our new, newsletter at weareglacier.org. Awesome. Matt, it's such an honor to have you, man, in uh, your episode number three. So I, I appreciate you uh, being a part of the, the beginning of this podcast. And um, always good to hear what's going on with you, man. And uh, and like I said, I, I consider you an inspiration in a lot of different ways. So um, not only to myself, but but uh, to other members of this Calgary business community um, and, uh, and North America wide now. So again, if you work in government or you work in, with a university or college, figure it out. Call Matt. <laughs> What's your email address? <laughs> I'll put your email address in the thing. It's all good. Okay, buddy. Yeah, awesome. Great chatting with you. All right, thanks a lot, Caleb. Appreciate it. That was a ton of fun. Thanks awesome. for having me. Thanks, pal. The Growth League Podcast is brought to you by Hook and Ladder Digital. We are a digital marketing agency that focuses on building and nurturing engaged brand communities, as well as designing, developing, and optimizing lead generation and conversion funnels that leverage advertising, email, landing pages, and content. Our goal is to connect great products and services with the people that want and need them most at the time that makes most sense for them. We want to see business leaders and marketers win and experience next level growth by co-creating a strategy and working together to implement into market and realize the ROI that we're all looking for. So if you have any questions on your digital marketing program, you need support, or you'd just like to have us take a look, please check us out www.hldigital.ca. Thanks so much.